0: Welcome back to Following know it On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 6. We will be talking about chapters 18 through 21 of The Way of Kings. Paul, uh what are your two words to summarize these chapters?
1: All right, this this for these chapters, I have chivalry and confusion.
0: Chivalry, confusion. Elliot, so
2: mine are actually rather similar to that. I have Sacrifice
0: and Madness. Sacrifice, Madness, Chivalry, and Confusion. That's a very nice spread. Let's, uh, let's discuss these. All right. To start this one, Paul, tell me about chivalry specifically, and then we'll jump to Elliot's, What what was your first word? Sacrifice. We'll we'll talk about chivalry and then sacrifice. See if they're if they're similar.
1: So chivalry, I thought of with the Dalinar chapter, where he's he's fighting these midnight essence, and uh, he's put into this weird is this reality is this a dream situation uh, it was moderately confusing but whether or not it's real even he even mentions that it's not real um he's still very chivalrous and uh he's basically fighting with the intention of like even like losing his life for for these people he does for these you know citizens and it's a very chivalry chivalrous thing to do
0: yeah okay uh elliot sacrifice Along the same lines,
2: I thought of, of Dalinar in the vision that he's in in the past and how he just throws himself in self-sacrifice without even thinking. He even has a moment where he's having that I'm dreaming moment of this isn't real, I don't have to do this, but his honor won't let him not jump in and just throw himself in between this woman and this girl to save him them from the uh, from the Beast, to the, the Midnight Essence or whatever. I have a lot of questions about those, by the way. And then, also in the Kaladin chapter, Kaladin has to find out a way to sacrifice his own food or other people's food or their time to try and save
0: these wounded bridgemen. I'm i am I'm really glad that both of you picked up on that, that Dalinar moment, which I will I'll, I'll bring it up in a quote later, but I I love that moment so much. Uh Paul, what was your second
1: word? It was confusion. Okay, who's who's confused? It was part, <laughs> it was mostly with Silfrena. Okay. Uh in the in the last chapter we'll talk about. I don't want to get into it too much because I'll touch on it a lot later. Uh, it's one of my favorite moments, but the whole concept she touches on a lot of deep things. Uh you know, why do men lie? Mm-hmm. And such and so, uh, it's a lot of confusing topics that are uh, hard to give answers to. You know, a lot of big questions. But so that was the main reason I, I chose confusion.
0: Confusion and madness, Elliot. What does this mean?
2: So I thought my madness might be tied to your confusion, but I was going in a slightly different direction. We have the the madness that Dalinar exhibits when he goes under this this state when the the high storm rolls in and he's taken over by this this madness. And then also just the very entertaining conversation between Kaladin and Sill about madness, in which Kaladin walks away from that conversation saying, you know, Syl, me talking to you, who no one else can see, really doesn't do anything for my image of being mad, which I thought was pretty funny. So I I tied the, the madness to those two good good good
0: not 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 everyone can't see her rock can which we'll talk about in a little bit and you don't yes
1: big moment yeah yeah that was
0: that's
1: gonna be a great thing to talk about we'll get
0: to we'll get to it we'll get to it Mm. all right before we really dive into this i want to do a spell check and this one is going to be very fun for me (laughs) So oh, no. so the first one, the first one is not that bad. It's, it comes from chapter 20, no, sorry, chapter 19, and it's, it's from these shard bearers discussing where they're from, and Elliot, could you try to pronounce this word for me, where the, where the shard bearers are from?
2: So I'm hoping that I'm picking the right word here, but. I'm sure you'll be able to tell once I give it a try. It starts with a U. Okay, yep. yep. It does? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man. Spoilers. Oh, come on.
2: So for this word, another almost palindrome, by the way, mm-hmm. but
0: I read this as uri firu. Okay. Uri-Firu. All right, so with this new knowledge that you that I've just leaked for you, Paul, how would you like to spell this word?
1: <laughs> okay, so do I, I? I Should I say what I had before?
0: Yeah. Well, say say okay, what they say. Say, it what I mean. say what they say in the audiobook, and then you can explain your reasoning for the okay. spelling.
1: If I if I remember correct, it's you're a Uratheru is mm, how they say you're it. a, thiru. You're a thiru, I'm a thiru, You know, <laughs> all, all of them. Uh, I had Y U R A T H E I R U, but I'm guessing there's no Y at the beginning. That it starts with a U. Uh, that was my that was my best guess on I T H I R U.
0: I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty. i I think I would spell it from memory because it's literally a palindrome with a T H in the middle. It's U-R-I-T-H-I-R-U. U R I T H I R U. U U R I Ru. yep Um, that was close yeah okay so which is
2: bad news because i'm not going to be anywhere close on this second one not terrible but this i've got it perfect i
0: am fully (laughs) i am fully expecting both of you to nail this one all right at the end of chapter 21 rock who everyone's been calling him rock he he explains to kaladin and teft that rock is not his actual name and his real name is Elliot. Oh gosh.
2: (laughs) The moment, the moment I read this as I was reading chapter 21, it's the last chapter we're reading. It's the last like paragraph of the chapter. As soon as I came across it, I was like, Oh no, I'm going to have to say that name. There's no way I'm getting out of that. (laughs) Okay, here we go. It's some like 30 letters long, but here, here it comes. numuhuku makiaki Aya luna more don't ask me to say that again that is
0: phenomenal that was good. That uh, was good, paul that was good. how do how do they say it if you can say it,
1: say it well. <laughs> i think he did better than i can because i wrote down what i best heard mm-hmm. and i tried like four times to listen to it and i still couldn't i mean i even tried it on like half speed. Like, I turned the audiobook down to the slowest it could go, and I am still <laughs> lost. So, I actually think I'm going to do better.
2: I have all faith in you as a speller. I, I know you are, are competent and very skilled, but there is no way in the entire world that you are
1: spelling this correctly.
0: Uh, it's just it's, it's just spelled how it sounds. Just just go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, it's like what... Numahumumakala... <laughs> Numa numalakamaki a ana lunamore, right? And so I had, all right, I can't even. Oh man! It, it, so I wrote it in this little notebook, and it fills up an entire line. I ran out of space. <laughs> how many? So how many letters? Hard.
0: How many letters do you have? I regret this question.
1: I think I had I think
0: I actually had thirty.
1: Like right at thirty. Okay. I believe there are twenty-five okay. in the book. If if you okay. want to. I probably added some extra letters in there, honestly. Just go for I it. Forgot. What's what's so your I had spelling? M-U-M-U-H-U... This is where I get uh M-U-L-A-K-A-M-A-K- i wait is that an i a <laughs> k <M-A-K- laughs> okay. i a i n a l u n a m o r okay i probably lost track there no not I think... not
2: that bad you're, prob- you're probably you're
1: probably got 75 percent of the letters
2: you're
0: probably 80 percent right yeah so here's how you the m
1: o r it does just like cuts off. okay because that was my big ambitious i bet it just cuts off at the r you know
0: so here's here's how they spell it more <laughs> n-u-m-u-h-u-k-u-m-a-k-i-a-k-i-apostrophe a-i-a-l-u-n-a-m-o-r
1: Apostrophe. <laughs> yeah, we really went all out. <laughs> they went all out numu,
0: numu, just because Numu Hunu Kuma Kia Nice. I actually love it. So yeah. I'm gonna stick with rock.
1: Rock? Yep. Good. I'll I'll get it down. I'm gonna get it down. I'm gonna practice going into next next episode. I'm only referring to him as Numahumu. <laughs> Luke and Numa and Lunamore.
0: So one of my one of my favorite parts about this whole thing is actually that Michael Kramer doesn't skip a beat. He like he even <laughs> even just goes straight into it and doesn't doesn't take a second. It might be editing of the audiobook, obviously, <laughs> but he just he just shoots it off immediately and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: i felt really confident all the other all we've had all these big names and i at least feel confident saying them even like the name of their their deity it was like elethonathila i thought that was enormous i was like i've got it i'm so good at this mm. and then this one just put me in my place it just <laughs> said no sir what a name what a name
0: all right yeah. good work good work gentlemen could have been a lot worse than it was <laughs> that
1: that's got to be the worst one You hope. I predict of the whole series. I'm going to say this has got to be the worst one ever. Or at least the longest. At least longest. What
0: if you meet more horn eaters?
1: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. (laughs) Maybe maybe he has a long name even for his culture. It's possible. (laughs) It's possible. We'll see. We'll see. All right. But yeah.
0: Let's rewind a little bit and talk about chapter 18 I really enjoy Chapter 18 because it gives a lot of depth to Alethi culture. It it gives a lot of good insight to how Dalinar thinks about things, to how Adolin thinks about things, and how they talk with Elokar, and they're investigating the saddle girth, the saddle strap, um, and it, it gives a lot of good dynamics here. Uh. Paul go ahead and pull up that picture at that that I put in the discord for you I will put it on screen for our viewers um this picture is at the beginning of chapter 18 for me although Elliot you said that it was at the end of 21 for you
2: beginning of 21
0: Be- beginning of 21 okay so we'll check it's yeah, a- beginning of 21 okay it's in different it's a different sp- places in the book, but both of those chapters are in this um, in this section. It's supposed to be an, a rough sketch of the war camps, and I really enjoyed this picture. I didn't get this until my third read of the entire series, because I listened to the audiobook for the first two, and this this uh, picture is really helpful for, it, or at least it was for me, to kind of envision the war camps and um, Elokar's castles on the top of the hill there as you can see and uh it's a really it's a really good visual that i wanted that i wanted the the audio the audio reader to to see thoughts paul
1: uh, it is cool i i was reading all the names and stuff on there there's a bunch of names it lists and it yep. lifts it lists it right to left as was it rohan sadius heledar dalinar and so forth Mm-hmm. Um, so i kind of see the specific ones and so i'm assuming this is like the shattered planes yep all right so this yeah this okay. is so there. I imagine they're running these bridges to like fill these gaps yep that is that basically what's happening and stuff so that is that is a good depiction. you can kind of see uh, like realistically
0: so yeah so they've got they've got a bunch of lookouts looking for the chasm fiends who are pupating and then as soon as they see them, all the, all the High Princes race. Like, they all run out on their own plateaus to go to go try to yeah. find the...
1: You just hope it's closest to yours, you know?
0: Correct. You just... It's this grand game that they've been creating, which Dalinar doesn't like, which we can talk about in Chapter 18. Mm-hmm. He... Well, first of all, it's, it starts with Adolin and the, this girth, the saddle girth strap. And he talked. He brings it to um. Uh, he brings it to leather workers, and they both agree that it's been cut, but they both automatically assume that it was sliced by. Uh, accidentally, by yeah, by yeah. by accident, by a grieve brushing the brushing the, the strap, or it's it's in storage, and somebody brushed it, and it accidentally sliced it. They both assume that. It's a it's an accident that happens every day, but Elokar is convinced that we've already heard him say this probably four or five times since they, uh, since they they found it that he's convinced that somebody's trying to kill him. Any any uh, hypotheses on on this?
1: There's definitely every conversation, every time that we've talked with Elokar, he talks about this this strap. It's Basically, anytime Dalinar or whoever goes up to talk to him, he's like, D- what have you learned about my strap? What uh, What have you learned? And it talks about how he's almost obsessed with the idea that someone's trying to kill him or, like, assassinate him. Not necessarily outright, um, but that there's someone, like, conniving in the background. Um, and I can't tell if it's really paranoia. I fully believe, I mean, after the leather workers said that seems cut, I mean, I feel pretty confident that um, someone maybe was trying to kill him, and we don't know who yet. Um, and they would I have gotten that... away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids, you know? <laughs> but
2: I think Adeline points out, or Adeline points out, though, or somebody does it at some point, though, that that's not the best way to try and assassinate someone. That was a pretty incompetent assassination attempt, if it was which kind of makes me lean towards the fact that this was an accident, but I don't know. I don't know.
1: I thought about that, but I also feel this is like the safest way, right? If you assassinate someone, I don't know, maybe they could see where you were that night and such. It's a lot easier to investigate, but with this, it's like, oh, he fell off his horse, like while fighting this chasm fiend and everyone's just like, oh, the chasm fiend killed him, you know? Right. Um, And so it's like less, less risk involved. Was my thought um, on that?
0: Okay, so so final verdict, kill attempt? Yes, no.
1: I think yes.
0: Yes. Uh, I'm gonna go with
2: no. I I think it was no. I think it was no. Okay.
0: Okay. And we will we'll refer to this clip later. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about. Vorin culture and the Alethi. Adolin is talking with his his mentor, his his Voran mentor. What's the the word? They're ardent. Not... Thank you, ardent. And he's kind of his his religious his religious father figure, if you will. And he's talking to him about Dalinar, and if. The almighty would send these visions that dalinar is getting and he doesn't give him a straight answer he he goes into this the history of the old foreign church how they there was, there was mysticism and they tried to take over the world oopsies and <laughs> they he he doesn't he's he gives him a straight answer that says the almighty probably wouldn't send these visions and I think this is a product of Dalinar's mind, Dalinar's old war, old war self kind of coming out. And he is like maybe a sins in his past that he's trying to reconcile with himself or something. And that's the only real clear answer Adolin gets from him. And I also want to highlight that Adolin doesn't know any of this. He's very, he knows of it, but he's not very well versed in it. He's, he's very much focused on his dueling, which is his calling. However, he's not very, he doesn't know the history, like the in-depth histories of the Voren church. He's, he's 20, I believe he's 26 and he's being, he's being taught basic history. Um. And it kind of highlights the, the Alethi mindset of, yeah, I appreciate religion as long, as as long as it doesn't get in the way of my partying of, I'm going to go on all these bridge runs and collect, collect wealth and glory for, for the almighty. Sure. But that's not, that's not really why I'm here. I'm here for me. I'm here for the glory for myself. And, uh, I want to, I want to, highlight that for you guys that I didn't pick that up on my first one and it's I think it's an interesting dynamic that the Alethi aren't very committed to the Voran religion.
1: It's interesting. It's almost as a a necessity rather than an actual desire that they have to do these things for for the Almighty. Right. As they say. There's
2: there's even a comment the the girl that Adolin is with is is her name pronounced Yanala with another correct j
0: on the beginning yes. of it? Yes, it's it's Yanala yes. with, done a, that with a J. A, a it's the same as Yasna though. It's basically it's the, <laughs> it, yeah, it's Yanala with a and it's spelled with I a j. Paul. I
1: spelled it with a spelled yeah, a, 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 a way. <laughs> I just mixed y and j there together. Yeah. <laughs> with a way. Yeah. Um. All
2: right, I'm learning. I'm learning about the the pronunciation now. Yeah. So so Yanala makes a comment though to to that exact point that you're you're saying as they walk into the the church or whatever they they call it where they're in she's like oh you brought me to a church i mean come on man this is this is boring this is terrible why are we here right that, that totally fits with what you're describing as they they kind of view it as a oh yeah religion forgot about that
0: right and uh his mentor i don't remember his name off the top of my head i'll look at here in a second but his mentor mentions to him as he's leaving that it's been a while since he's ascended uh, in his calling and I want to juxtapose that with Shalon in the few chapters we've seen Shalon she is very deliberate in remembering to write a prayer or remembering to think thank the heralds as as she's as she's kind of gone about her her couple days in carbrant that we've seen she's very she takes her religion very seriously and Adolin... And a lot of the Alethi culture do not. Um, so that's the difference between Yackaved, where Shalan is from, and Alethkar, where the Kulins are from.
2: I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because I keep forgetting that Shalan is not Alethi. I keep kind of categorizing her in the same bucket as the rest of them, but she's not. She's from Yackaved, which is a totally different different nation. So I got to keep remembering that.
0: If this helps visually in for painting a picture in your mind for you, Shalon is very white, and the Alethi are very tan. They have very yeah. They've they have...
2: mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The Alethi are they're they're all they're very they're almost different different races, if you will.
1: Mm-hmm. Didn't it describe uh, Shalon looking back as like? real pale with, like, red hair, yep. uh, kind of, and yeah. she really, really stood out for that, so I've actually always had that mental picture, and it. it helped me a lot, whatever they the back in the Shalon chapters.
0: I, I always pictured it, Shalon was from Scotland, and <laughs> the Alethi were from the Middle East, that's how I, that's how I thought about it.
1: I always thought of the main protagonist from Brave.
0: Oh, yes, Merida?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, sure but yeah that's that's an interesting um like point about the the foreign religion in this um also about uh dalinar and such so we talked a little bit last episode about his um interest in the book the way of kings and how it kind of makes him an outlier especially um Amongst his his colleagues who who don't value the book highly, um, but we have our I think really cool. We have our first mention of Noadon. Yes, so we finally we learned something we is, about right? Noadon. We did, and uh, yeah. Didn't it say that he wrote the Way of Kings? Yeah, he did. So we're following a an author. Yep. He wrote, he wrote the book we're reading, you know, kind of. He wrote the book that we're reading about people reading. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We're reading about him who wrote a book that we're reading about people reading. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. I think, I think that's right.
0: All right. So. I wanna I wanna highlight y'all's predictions of who Noadon was. Let's let's back up a little bit there. Uh, Elliot, <laughs> you said he was a knowledge Spren. Do you uh, d- yes. do you wish to re do you wish to change this change this at all?
2: I well I I should point out that this is not completely disproven yet. We don't know that knowledge Spren can't write books. Okay. But but yes, I I probably should. I probably should update my my prediction of who Noadon is. I I got super excited when I saw Noadon and instead of just kind of a name drop, we finally get something to attribute to him, something we've learned about him. He's the author of Way of Kings, but we've gotten a few hints I think from Dalinar about the this book, the Way of Kings. He's mentioned a couple of times that it's I think you mentioned this last episode that the Way of Kings is not viewed very positively right now in alethi culture it's very counter to the way alethi culture is nowadays so i'm guessing that he's not maybe the most popular figure that he maybe is a little bit of an of an outlier and i may even go out on a a limb there was the quote that i read last episode from the way of kings which talked a lot about servant leadership and how the talked about that the weight that the king carries and the weight can step or the king can step down from his pedestal to help the, the 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 working person with their load and maybe that would open people's eyes to the need for you know helping the king or what, whatever that looks like i wonder if nodon was a king if he if he knows so much about this was he in that type of was he in those shoes i'm i'm gonna i think adjust my prediction to say that Noadon is a king of some kind
0: Okay. Uh, Paul, you said that he was an important guy. That was your prediction. Would you like to?
1: And I think we're right. I think I was right on the head with that one. <laughs> okay. He's. I mean, he wrote think... the Way of Kings, which, although it's a little old-fashioned, um, it's still a very important book. And someone that we look to as highly as Dalinar uh, has decided to live by it. So I would say Noadon is a pretty important person. You know. <laughs> okay. Um. But uh, kind of a more more serious prediction. I really like the king prediction. Um, I I never thought that maybe he was an old ruler or someone with a ton of power. But um, a lot of the teachings in the way of kings are that of like humility and such. And so maybe I think he was more a more simple man. You know, kind of just a wise guy. You know, like a monk type almost. Maybe not full-on, like, having no possessions and or something, but um, you know, an older figure who
0: maybe a uh, maybe a servant leader, perhaps.
1: perhaps a <laughs> servant leader with servant leadership. Servant, leader. so,
0: servant leadership.
1: Mm-hmm. I could very well see that.
0: Something, before we completely move on from the Wave Kings and figuring out Nodon wrote it, I want to highlight that. (laughs) I want to highlight that Yasna has read Noadon. Shalon has read Noadon, and and Paul or and Elliot, you're not you're not wrong that it's he's not very or the the Way of Kings isn't very popular with the Alethi, and I want to circle back to this this thought that Shalon is devout in the Voran culture in Voran Yeah, in the Voran religion and uh mm-hmm. the Alethi are not. So uh the Way of Kings is very much about servant leadership so far as we've so much as we've seen and the Alethi are not a fan of that. Um so I would like I just wanna wanna highlight that.
1: Also one thing I wanted to kind of mention, so Elliot was saying that so so because Dalinar, um, kind of lives by the way of kings, and such. It, it makes him less popular, I guess, in his group. So he's uh, he's even kind of blown off in some, or people are beginning to think that maybe he's gone mad or or crazy and stuff. He he does this and he has these like visions that are, seem really bizarre. People are thinking he's kind of losing his mind, and he's always been revered as this very great general um, and like excellent, excellent ally to the kingdom. And We even see later on. You mentioned like how he wasn't popular, but everyone seems to know. We ta- like at the end of, like uh, in chapter twenty one, they mentioned that Syl actually knows who he was. Um, Syl mentioned that she heard the.
0: Syl knows who Dalinar is.
1: Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, Sil mentioned that she'd heard like the bridge crew members speaking of him and such. So um, he is still incredibly well known, um, but unfortunately, I guess in the upper um, diplomatic positions and such, uh, people are starting to think less highly of him. I guess, or or at least be wary.
0: Yeah and even in our previous episode I believe it was chapter 16 uh, Laurel is talking to Kaladin about the Blackthorn even in far off Hearthstone in rural Hearthstone Laurel knows about the Blackthorn and King Gavilar Uh, that's how that's how well known Dalinar is
1: still um, with Dalinar though one of my words being chivalry so i think one of the coolest chapters um was this um in chapter 19 so i i alluded alluded to dalinar's visions as a weird weird kind of playing with the boundary between reality and a dream um in that dalinar has this dream that he can control what he's doing and he knows what's happening but he's almost in someone else's body or people see him in this case it's with a family and i it seems like he's the father or husband to this woman um he just knows he doesn't even know her name or who he um has taken over their name or the daughter's name or anything he's really lost but he's fully conscious i guess as dalinar even in this weird dream, we still see his his chivalry and uh, heroic acts play out. So even though that is is in this dream, he's fighting these midnight essences. Kind of weird, really weird depiction. These just like kind of ghost like like smoke demons. It was really weird. One thing I must say, as far as I can remember, it's the first creature depiction that wasn't aquatic it wasn't a crab it wasn't a lobster or anything it was totally different so i thought the the imagery was really cool and uh, we even see whenever one of them is stabbed that like smoke kind of like emits from wherever the gash was The
0: it's a good point paul your your observation the midnight essence are very much not of roshar Roshar is very underwater, crab like, like we've established. And these midnight essence are not like anything we've seen and not like anything Dalinar has seen, which is more impressive because Dalinar is taken aback by these things and he's been in Roshar his whole life.
1: Yeah, it was very obvious that we we're in some kind of weird alternate. Is this real life situation, or you know, or is this all figments of my imagination? What the heck is happening here? Um,
2: yeah, the midnight essence almost seemed to not not even make sense. Like it was just it was confusing right. and very different. Yeah, I got that vibe too.
0: I do want to read a couple quotes about about the midnight essence, but also about Dalinar. Um, I might call these my Dalinar moments, because I'm enjoying highlighting Dalinar moments. Dalinar cursed himself for a fool, raising one hand to his side to staunch the blood. He knew, logically, that he was really back in the barrack with Renarin. This was all happening in his mind. There was no need for him to fight. But every instinct, every shred of honor he had, drove him to step to the side, placing himself between the woman and the beasts vision memory or delusion he could not stand aside a couple pages later he glanced down at his arm pulling off his makeshift bandage he had to wipe free blood and some torn skin but underneath the skin was perfectly healed he took a few deep breaths then shrugged pick up picked up his poker and joined the fight that second one was after the uh, the shard bears showed up, and I just wanted to to highlight the the mental image that I get there. He's he's so shocked that he just got healed from this shard bearer, and he lo- kind of looks around, brushes off the dead skin, shrugs, picks up the fire poker, and <laughs> runs and runs into the battle. Like it's it's so funny to me that he's just like, there's literally no other option except to help fight. Even though I was just almost dead two seconds ago, like it's such uh, it's such such a funny moment to me.
1: I joke. I I thought that was incredible, and also I thought that uh, the showcase of these older shard bears was really really notable and incredible. That was, I think, probably the most taking part of this episode, and or at least what makes me the most curious in the, in this chapter. Um, is who were these people? I bet these are some cool people. We'll we'll learn more about um, down the line, or at least uh, in some way, uh, because yeah, she had the female shard bearer like had the power to heal Dalinar, right? Yep, uh, which something I haven't seen thus far. So in several other things, but
0: they did, they introduce themselves after they've they've rescued them from the midnight essence and the female shard bearer. Uh, heals Dalinar. They introduce themselves as the Knight's Radiant. And um, they say they're from Urethiru, which is where our spelling bee from earlier came from. Um, and in this very short scene that we get, the Knight's Radiant can fly or slash fall from the sky. They have glowing armor and or can remove their helmets at will. They, that, was, that was an odd a specific image that Dalinar had in his mind and they can heal. Um so the the Knights Radiant are very interesting in this vision to say the least.
2: I the word that came to my mind was superpowered. The the shardbearers that we've seen so far are a whole level above your normal soldiers and now these old time shard bears are even a step up from that that's even more powerful than the shard bears we've seen so far which they did some cool stuff i i did think one of the descriptions which you you kind of mentioned there was they described them as falling from the sky but then the one shard bearer like launches up off the ground up you know across the valley or wherever they're at right. and he's described as launching as if he was falling up and that reminded me, that made me think back to the the prologue with Zeth and the lashings that I was, he did. I was gonna uh,
0: highlight this if you didn't.
2: Yeah, because that's how they described the lashings was Zeth can change gravity, basically. He can make gravity pull him up to the roof. Is that the same thing that's happening here with these with these shard bears? It kinda sounded like it.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. Yes, they have Dalinar has used a shard blade, which is magical and shard plate his entire life and he's he is not making sense of what is happening like he's been around what what he assumes to be you know mythological or whatever, but even when he's seeing these things, he is not making sense of it he's he's very he has not seen this before.
1: I wanna I wanna I read a, do... another quote here Paul will go ahead oh i I was gonna talk about how, so we see this extremely cool imagery, and also we see kind of a reward because you know it's in the quote that Trevor read earlier, Dalinar's, like vision or reality or like dream whatever I can't stand by, and he he defends this uh he defends this family there and and helps fight off these the these midnight essence um and at the end he finds out some like like valuable information almost and it, i think that you know if he didn't do that then maybe he wouldn't have found that out and so it's really weird i don't know why he's being shown this or like how valuable this information is and such but uh, it's it's really interesting, but it's almost like a reward for his chivalry, even while he's sleeping. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I I thought the same thing, Paul. That's that's really cool. And the uh, the we got a couple hints. We got a couple just little nuggets of information about who this person is that talks to him through the voice of the woman that he. Or through the person of the the woman, I guess it's a different voice. But yeah, it's almost a reward for his 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 valiance, his his honor. We get a couple nuggets. One of which is the guy says, "I miss these times," which makes me wonder if this person who's speaking to him is is from this old this this time in, in the past history. And then he, as he's talking to him, he mentions a couple times stuff like the to mention that is forbidden or something like that. It's it's like he's adhering to. A specific set of rules which makes me think of like time travel and a lot of fictional stories and, and worlds time any kind of time travel you, tends to come with a lot of rules and so is this person somehow communicating with him across time is this someone from the past communicating to him in the future or the opposite is someone in the future communicating to dalinar in, in the past i don't know it's got me scratching my head
0: he does get He does get a few nuggets of information, one from the voice he's heard in these recurring visions, and then he gets more information about the knight's Radiant from the woman who, the the woman Shardbearer who heals him. Yeah, yeah. I want to read that quote here uh, for you. It is our duty and our privilege, the woman said, to stay vigilant for the desolation. One kingdom to study the arts of war so that the others might have peace. We die that you may live. It has ever been our place. Every pasture needs three things, the woman said, voice changing as if she were quoting from memory. Flocks to grow, herdsmen to tend, and watchers at the rim. We of Alethela are those watchers, the warriors who protect and fight. That's not what the Knights Radiant are remembered for in the present time. The Knights Radiant are mystical beings of the past. But in this vision, the knights radiant are definitely being shown in a good light. Um, definitely. So, whoever, however he's getting these visions, whoever is giving it to him, uh, is definitely trying to let him know that the knights radiant are
1: good. Yeah, very good. I mean, and it makes me wonder back in this time what what they're up against we still don't really know what these midnight essence where where they came from so they definitely needed these superpowers almost i imagine to to combat that um i think another thing kind of with the snap back to reality at this end of at the end of this chapter uh, dalinar wakes up and he's in his bed and everyone is like there, kind of like really worried and like holding him and stuff. And then he, he kind of wakes up and he's like, Oh, I'm fine. Like, don't worry. Like hmm. I, I'm awake now. I'm conscious. It's all good. Relax. Um, and I immediately thought of how it would be to be in someone else's perspective. That was, they are like worried because he's like shouting in his sleep, um, and like struggling and stuff. And then he's like, okay, I'm good. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Like, this snaps is out of it. is actually crazy like they had to think delinor is going mad yep um i mean he he wakes up and he's fine he's normal old good old Dalinar colin uh but <laughs> that's gotta be super scary and like like we've mentioned in the past um, i feel like people are gonna start to think he's gone mad um, and gone insane and that um he'll lose some of the esteem that he's He's accrued as as a warrior over the years.
2: I was a little worried throughout the chapter because I kept thinking back to because we as the the reader, we know of course that Dalinar is in this vision and in reality he's in the barracks with, with Renarin, right? Renarin is, is there with him. Yep. I was worried throughout the whole chapter that as he's, you know, killing these midnight essence, I was really hoping he wasn't actually like killing soldiers in the 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 barracks where he's at because i i imagine him you know enacting this whole thing in the barracks and they're just trying to get away from him or restrain him or whatever i was really worried he was going to come out of it and renar and Renard was going to be hurt or something like that so i was really grateful that 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 wasn't the case
0: i was a, i was a bit worried for him he did also if you remember at the beginning of the vision try to summon his shard blade out of reflex oh yeah and it yeah. didn't come so if he had actually yeah. summoned his shard blade back in the barracks. That could have been really. That'd bad. Have been bad. Yep.
1: Speaking of uh, summoning a shard blade, I thought it was interesting that the 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 woman, like the innocent woman uh, at the start of his vision, Taffa. Yes, she gave like a measurement in heartbeats, which I thought was interesting. I guess yes, they just kind of that's just kind of how they do it. She was like, "That was only three heartbeats." I don't know, something like that, and. I thought that was really interesting. I guess even back then or and stuff, they just like measured time almost in heartbeats. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me. I noticed that as I well. I didn't
2: catch that. That's really interesting. She does yeah. give
0: him yeah. I don't remember the exact quote, but that was just a matter of a few heartbeats or yep. something. Oh yeah, so mm. Dalinar beats up the two night midnight essences in the in the shack. And she's like, how did you do that? That was within a few heartbeats. And she's, yeah, that was, I I noticed that too. Interesting. Speaking of getting a blast from the past, chapter 20 is a very quick snip of Kaladin's past. It's a very short chapter. However, it's one of my... It's one of my favorite chapters of Young Kaladin because it's it's heartbreaking, but it it really it really highlights who Kaladin is. He's he's there trying to help um this five year old girl who just fell, and he's really trying to do the right thing, and he fails. And that is Kaladin in a nutshell. He is he is in the right place at the right time, trying to do what's right, trying to save uh sen at in chapter one set what's his yeah oh,
1: in in chapter one yep. yes he's, so. he's
0: trying to do what's right and he it never quite works out
1: this is this is classic Kaladin, if you will it's always so close I think the most memorable thing from this chapter for me. Or, or something that I really pulled out was talks about him him trying to help, and it says that his tourniquet slipped, uh, like he couldn't get the tur- tourniquet to to be tight enough to stop the blood flow, right? Right. So he asked for like cloth because it said um, the tourniquet would slip, but his fingers did not, and I thought that was a really interesting little notion because he had the the innate. I guess skill or knowledge of where to to pinch to stop the blood flow, uh, but not he was very young in this, and he did not have the I guess skill set to um, to like you know tighten the turn- tourniquet enough. Uh, and I thought that was like a good showing of you know his old self and almost like what drove him to become great at many things, or at least well skilled, um, whether that be fighting or you know healing um, and such because I mean it, he probably he was very beaten up he could tell like emotionally in this chapter that he was very upset that he could not save uh, the girl's life and, and it really um, did a number to him
2: yeah Kaladin Kaladin tries so hard which which makes this chapter even more gut-wrenching for me in the fact that he, he cares so much, but he, he still fails at the end of the day, which then leads to the somewhat calloused but very logical quote that we get from his father Lirin where he tells Kaladin, you have to learn when to let go and stop caring. And it's a very harsh thing to say, which... I guess fits in with our char- the character we've we've started to to learn about of who Liren is the very logical the very scientific person who's looks at this as A or B and you've lost this person there's nothing you can do you have to stop caring but but Kaladin's a lot more emotional than that Kaladin can't can't get past that easily.
0: We've we've heard a or we've heard a, a line. It was I I don't remember specifically where it was but he was do, doing a bridge run. And he's still shocked to, or when he loses someone, he's—I believe—he's trying to help uh, the the bridge the bridgeman that we talked about last episode, and that he dies in front of him, and he still has that that moment of shock and pain of losing someone, and he references Liren telling him, "You'll grow out of that," and it's something he's never grown out of, that he yep. he is always shocked. To lose someone and disappointed in himself uh that he didn't save them and he's never grown out of it
1: i thought that was a really good point uh because liran his father always kind of made these generalizations of of things that you know he's felt in the past and how he would try to sympathize with kaladin um but it's not exactly the fit for Kaladin. and I think this is a really good example of that, because, because um, I, I basically alludes that he once felt that way and once felt, you know, terrible like mourning at the loss of of someone he tried to help, right? Uh, but later, you know, kind of grew numb to it. Um, but Kaladin has kind of shown that that hasn't gotten better for him which I think is an interesting, that he's not just ex- the same as his father, even though he learns a lot from him growing up. But, you know, we see Kaladin at this young age, learning a lot um, about just kind of the heartaches of life. Uh, we also see that in the next chapter with, with Sylfrena And this is one of my favorites. I always love the Silphrena conversations, uh, but her whole notion of, you know, <laughs> how how do you know someone is mad? Or, you know, why do men lie? It was a really interesting notion and brought up a lot of interesting conversation er, conversations. Um, I thought one thing really interesting. She says, if everyone's mad, then the one who's not mad is seen as mad, right? And and I thought that was <laughs> like kind of funny. And she just has a very different... Because uh, she's so new to all these, I guess, advanced concepts. Um, she has a very odd outlook on things and it kind of makes you think and i really like that brandon sanderson kind of uses that naivete to uh, to touch a lot of a lot of subjects
2: it it i think it's one of those cases of the the wisdom of a child if you will the the child the innocent personality in this case sill just is asking an honest question about something that doesn't make sense. And it, it sparks this whole, you know, philosophical, philosophical discussion about what is madness and is madness just a comparison to the norm or is it something more than that? And Kaladin kind of gives her, her an answer to her specific question about, about madness. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that Kaladin's fully convinced in his answer. He seems a little hesitant, but I, I think that I definitely don't agree with the, the definition that calvin gave Kaladin defined madness for her as the person that stands out of the, from the crowd the person that's different it's like well did you just vote on it and he's like yeah well basically i guess <laughs> and i i think i think madness definitely is a bit is a bit more than that i think Kaladin's oversimplifying it a little bit i think that there's there's some measurable things that you can you can do to to tell if someone is going mad like their ability to use Logic or or reasoning, and you can you can clinically diagnose someone with with those kinds of things if they're irrational, kind of kind of whatnot. But but I can see where Callum was going with 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 that discussion. But I think Sill doesn't really quite take his answer uh, for for what it's worth either. It's a big question, philosophical yeah, okay. question for sure,
1: and kind of a difference, like you said with Kaladin's definition of madness, it almost implies that there's always someone that's mad. Uh, kind of like the outlier is mad. Yeah. Rather than madness as, I mean, no one could have it in this particular group, or right. uh, there could be multiple people who just, like you said, lack uh, reasoning or um, like rational thinking and such, uh, which is interesting. But,
2: but then it leads to... I don't know, maybe my favorite moment of, of this chapter was just the, the ironic comment of, that he has that I mentioned before with my, my word for the chapter of madness, whereas he's kind of wrapping up the conversation, and, and he, he basically says, and, and by the way, still so you're making me look mad because, <laughs> because I'm talking to no one, which I thought about as he was having that conversation of him just walking back and forth, just talking to his plank. Like that's what everyone else is going to think he's doing, yep. just talking to this log that he's carrying. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely going to make you look crazy, man.
0: I would just like to interject here that uh, by Kaladin's definition of madness, Dalinar, as opposed to the other High Princes, is mad. Because he's mm. the only one following the codes, and so he's the odd one out. So everyone's the outlier. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks Dalinar is going mad from a clinical perspective, but by Kaladin's yep. definition, Dalinar already is mad.
1: That is interesting
0: yeah that
2: definitely is interesting
1: i thought it was really interesting that Syl knew who dalinar was that kind of caught me off guard yeah because it was already surprising earlier in the book that she knew kaladin's name or that she had a name and such but i kind of just left it as between them two other people were kind of she did remember who Gaz was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a little more relevant because he's he's right there. She's seen Gaz. She knows who he is. Um, but she's heard this na- the mention of Dalinar, and I was honestly really surprised to see that mentioned in chapter twenty one. Um, but she does she heard it, overheard the other bridge members um, talking about him. But uh, like I mentioned before, it kind of showcased how uh, Dalinar is well known as um it was in the discussion right about um all men lie and she says that dalinar doesn't lie if i if i yeah. remember it directly yep um which is interesting like even she knows that dalinar is this uh upright humble and uh honest man and also we see that um that Kaladin may appear mad to most of his bridge crew, but not to all of them. Uh, we see with Rock, who can apparently see sill, which kind of blew me, blew my mind out of the water. Um, and uh, as well as Taft, who kind of comes around. You know, uh, he's not he's not on board to begin with, but he comes around at the end with a little convincing. Uh, which is interesting. So what are you I want to know what your thoughts are on on Rock and what's going on here cuz there's a lot more than than meets the eye and I did not suspect that at all.
2: Yeah, what what is up with that? I too was kind of shocked when when Rock said he could see Sil and he has like a name for it. he rattles off a couple words in what I'm assuming is his his own language or or a different language and he when they when they press him and ask him, Well well how can you see him? And he says, I am this word and I'm assuming his language and doesn't explain that at all. And it's just like, Wait, what? Hold on a second. Tell me more.
0: He's he Rock knows something is up. Because if you remember, uh he thanks Kaladin for saving his life. Because Kaladin took his spot in the bridge crew, Yep. or in the bridge run, and Kaladin smirks at that logic. He's like, no, I survived. If you were standing right there, you would have survived too. And Rock's like, no, 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 no. If I was standing there, I would have died. <laughs> it, because you were standing there, you lived, and I lived because I was at the back. And... And that's when he mentions Syl. He's like, "By the way, and yeah, you've got your you've got your friend following you everywhere." And Colin's like, "Wait, what? You can see her?" <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Rock Rock knows something's up.
1: I cannot wait. That raised a lot of questions for me. I really want to know more about Rock. I'm wondering yeah. if maybe all horn eaters are this way. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming Rock has some kind of special background. Um he i don't know enlightened or some something of the the sorts uh i was very surprised because i kind of blew him off as the the brute big strong me smash you know (laughs) and uh did not expect him to be he seems to be about the most like educated amongst them i guess in in this sort of thing in, in this bridge crew um he knows a lot that no one else knows about as we saw with his name, he made his name rock, because it's what feel <laughs> uh, it's what they could say <laughs> instead of his like thirty character name. Um, and then he keeps
2: referring to to Kaladin with this term air sick lowlander, which I'm trying to figure that out what that what that tells us about Rock. And the only thing I can guess is is Rock are, are horn eaters or from some kind of highland where he's referring to the rest of them as lowlanders like is he from the mountains or something like that where he's referring to them like this because he, he rattles it off a couple different times and i can't quite figure out what he's talking about
0: yeah he does refer to he refers to everyone actually as airsick lowlander but uh you've only heard uh you've only heard him talk to kaladin so far so right And uh we can we can highlight Teft here real quick. Teft is very skeptical of everything. He's definitely not quite on quite quite on board quite as on board as Rock is at the end of the the uh the chapter, but he's certainly willing to help Kaladin in uh whatever they're about to do. Um, the reader doesn't know yet, um, but yeah, Rock and Teft are not completely beaten down. They they obviously have both interesting pasts that have led them here. I think they're both pretty different paths or pasts from each other, and they didn't they didn't know each other before this chapter. Kaladin. Kaladin forgets that none of the bridgemen really take the time to get to know each other like he has with each of them, and he's taken aback that oh yeah they don't they don't know each other that it's it's just h- another highlight of how low these these bridgemen are. It's I thought
2: this all. was a big moment. I thought this was really big because we've we've seen over the last couple chapters, Kaladin is working really hard to try and inspire these bridgemen to care. About their lives to awaken from the the despair and not even not even caring anymore. And finally, finally, he's managed to awaken a little something in both Rock and Teft, and and Teft specifically doesn't even have any faith in himself. There's a little discussion they have where Teft's talking about keeping your word or keeping your honor or something like that, and Kaladin Kaladin says, "Well, I'm not going to break my word to you." And Tesla, "No, you're not going to break your word to me. I'm going to break my word to you," and it just shows that Teft has no confidence in in himself at all, but Kaladin shows a little bit of confidence in him, and that gives him just enough of an oomph for for Teft to say, "All right, fine, I'm in. Let let let's let's do something." I thought that was pretty big.
1: That's true. It it gave me some insight as to what Teft's past might be like. Uh, it makes me think that he was probably a, like an honorable, you know, good man. And maybe made like a mistake that he can't quite forgive himself for. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of kind of gives me that avenue of thought uh, that he can't quite trust himself, and he's he's afraid to, I guess, to to serve alongside someone again. I also wanted to touch briefly. I can almost see some similarities between Teft and Yald. Actually, I just thought about this, and almost that. So I talked about Yalb as being a an awkward, like a neutral character. So I feel like you could see Rock as a good character. He's hasn't ever been like upset that we've seen or that he um, he se- he seems like a very positive good character. And he offers to share his food uh, to help the injured. Uh, Teft doesn't want to share his food, but he doesn't mind working and helping because he knows it's a good cause and such. He has that good nature, but he's also timid about it. It's just kind of a neutral back and forth, and he's not really super far on one side, I feel like. And I feel like that's kind of the input that Yalb had um, in the, in the Shalon chapters, was that he was helpful, uh, but different, very different uh, and not always upright means of helping. A little bit of cheating and such so it's almost like that <laughs> but on another side where it is like good means but uh not fully not fully good as maybe kaladin or rock would seem okay good thoughts
2: yeah i agree a gray character for sure
0: my
1: biggest question going into the next several chapters is definitely about rock Uh, i'm really excited that that kind of that really did surprise me because i i just thought he was generic big strong guy (laughs) (laughs) he
2: he does seem like he could be a really cool character i i do hope they they develop him more and we get to see more of rock or Numu huku Aka, lami whatever yeah, the rest yeah, of that yeah. name
1: is. Numu huku laka makiana luna more <laughs>
0: nailed that out one. Like
1: that. Yep, perfect.
0: Uh, Paul, at the very end of this outline here, you said I have a
1: prediction about Kaladin. Would you like to? I did see it. Would you like to close us oh, out with this? I do remember this. Okay, so it's not a super story-inducing. Uh, Prediction. I guess it could be. So it mentions being. Gaz mentions the Caledon about being strung up, which being strung up is they tie you outside during a high storm to let. Basically, to let God judge your fate. The storm if you live father. Through the high, yes, the storm father. If you mm-hmm. let. Uh, if you live, then I guess the storm father wanted you to live because you didn't die to the storm. And if you die, which it sounds like. Kaladin says it's basically just a death sentence. Um my guess is that Kaladin is gonna get in trouble and he is gonna get strung up at some point and he's gonna live. And then he's gonna kinda gain reverence from from people around him because Whoa, he lived, he got strung up and the the Stormfather I guess deemed him worthy of of living living forward or er, further.
2: I really like that i hope that happens and i think it could even tie into my theory from from last episode where i theorized that kaladin was was using the the stormlight unknowingly from his fears to to help power him maybe that ability helps him survive the high storm that he gets strung up in i think we're we're on the same page here paul
1: didn't think about that until you just mentioned it, but maybe he like channels ener- some form of yeah. energy from itself. That would yep. be really cool. That would, I would pay to watch that. You know, like that'd be really <laughs> cool. Yeah.
2: Fingers crossed.
0: Yep. Yeah. Interesting
1: predictions. Interesting predictions. All right. But I.
0: I am going to cut us off here because we could talk. We could keep talking about these, <laughs> but I think we need to tt we need to
1: really excited to go forward
0: push it push it till the next mm-hmm. episode thanks for joining me uh paul and elliot no
2: until next time